0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series Not Your Average Joe. This week, our big idea is choose to be above average by not fixing crazy with crazy. We're going to spend time in Genesis chapter thirty-nine. Enjoy and thanks for listening. I want you to think about this statement: life is a series of choices. Your life, my life. It's a series of choices. And the choices we make will determine our impact and our future. A series of poor choices can leave us feeling frustrated and lonely and purposeless, while a series of good choices stack together can leave us feeling very energized. Whether we like it or not, our life is a series of choices. And I think it's fair to say that the choices we make today will determine the stories that we share tomorrow. So what stories do you want to share? What stories do you want to tell? That's largely determined by the choices that we make today. One of the great biblical examples of somebody who made some amazing choices is a guy in the scripture named Joseph. And of course, because he had this ability to make great choices, this made him not your average Joe. And we jumped into this story last week, and we discovered a couple of things about Joseph's life. One of the things we discovered is that he came from a very dysfunctional family. I mean, there were just several layers of dysfunction, and we could spend an entire series just talking about all of that. One of the things that happened as a result of all of the dysfunction in that family is that Joseph's older brothers got so frustrated and so upset and so aggravated with him that they actually sold him into slavery. That's how dysfunctional they were, and that's where we pick up the story today. So if you have a Bible or a device, I would like for you to get to Genesis chapter 39. This is where we're going to hang out. And while you're finding that, here's our big idea. And that is choose to be above average by not fixing crazy with crazy. And We're going to unpack that. We're going to figure that out. We're going to talk about how we can all be above average by choosing not to fix crazy with crazy. Crazy. And I think one of the greatest ways we can do that is by putting together a strategic choice-making system. And this is what Joseph did. He determined how he would respond in different situations before he ever got there. He put this choice-making strategy in place and it allowed him to ride above all of the crazy and we can do the same thing. But the challenge is we need to do that now before we're in the pressure of the moment because if we wait then to put together a choice-making strategy, it will probably be too late. So we're just going to unpack the life of Joseph today in Genesis 39 and discover we can be above average, we don't have to fix crazy by crazy, and we do that by implementing a choice-making strategy. Now let me ask you, do you have any choices in front of you? I think we all do, you probably are aware of some of those choices, but you may not be aware of a choice that is coming your way. So I want you to think about the different choices that you have in front of you right now. Maybe it's a relational choice, or maybe it's a parenting choice, or maybe it's a job choice, or an ethical choice, or a sexual choice. Maybe it's a big choice or a small choice. We all have choices in front of us. And we want to choose to be above average and not fix crazy with crazy by having this very strategic choice-making system. And that's what we're going to discover today. So as we walk through this, you just think about your choices. We all have them. And it's going to be different for everybody in here. You just think about your choices. And let's see if you can't implement this type of system. I believe it will tremendously help. So Genesis chapter 39 Right away in verse 1, here's what it says. When Joseph, here's our guy, when he was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. As I was researching this and investigating Genesis chapter 39, I thought it was very interesting that this is the second time that we discover a job description for Potiphar, where he is titled the king of the guard or chief of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. We find it at the end of Genesis chapter 37. It's mentioned there, and then it's mentioned a second time right away at the beginning of chapter 39. One of the things that the Bible does that's very unique, that helps us pay attention and just think about what might be happening is whenever something is mentioned more than once, whether it's twice or three times or more than that, it's the Bible's way of saying, this is really important right here. This is valuable. You need to perk up. You need to circle this. You need to underline it. You need to figure out why that information is there. And so we discover that it's mentioned here that Potiphar is captain of the guard twice There has to be some significance to that. And as it turns out, there is. And it's kind of creepy. But it's Halloween, so we can do some creepy things, right? So here's what we need to know about Potiphar. He was captain of the guard. He was the chief over the king's bodyguard. The king was Pharaoh, and he was the king of Egypt. Now, Egypt at the time was the world power, so that gives Potiphar very close proximity to the most powerful man in the world at that time. He was the king, the king of Egypt, and he is captain of the guard, which basically means this, for Pharaoh, the most important man in the world, the most powerful kingdom in the world, Potiphar, his job is that he's the chief executioner. i let that sink in for a moment. He's the chief executioner for the most powerful man in the world. And ancient Egypt was known for being tough on crime. And this guy is the chief executioner. I wonder what kind of job training you have to have to get that job, right? Wow, but that's what we discover here. Now, I don't mean to make light of the situation or to joke about what's happening to Joseph here, but let's just keep it real, all right? Think about it. Joseph is about 17 years old. He has been taken from his family where he had a lot of privilege. I mean, he was the favored son. So he's shipped down the road to Egypt where he is probably scared out of his living mind. He doesn't know the language. There's no family there. Again, he's 17. He's just a young man. He's got a lot of life in front of him, but all of that is taken away. And here he finds himself now being purchased by an executioner. You know, Joseph has to step back and say, I don't think it could get any unluckier for me, right? Like, I just lost my family. I'm now a slave, and I'm being purchased by an executioner, not just any executioner. It happens to be the chief executioner in all of the land. I've got to work for this guy, seriously? But that's what is happening here. And I want to pause for just a moment and remind us that in this story, there is God's part, which is the upper story. And there are things that God is doing that Joseph cannot see and Joseph is not aware of in the upper story. And here's Joseph's story down here. It's the lower story. God up here doing things that Joseph is not aware of and Joseph down here living out a nightmare. And what will Joseph do? Will he trust in that moment? Will he recognize that God might have a bigger plan here and I need to rely on him? What will Joseph do? I know what I would do if I'm purchased by an executioner. There's a lot of this at God, shaking my fist. Where's God? Don't you care about me? Aren't you going to rescue me? Aren't you going to save me? It's a lot of this. But as you walk through chapter 39 and really through the end of the book of Genesis, you discover that's not what Joseph does. There's no fish shaking. If he would have done that, he would have been an average Joe. But he's above average. His inner compass was set. His feet were pointed in God's direction. And I believe this forward thinking gave him the ability to make great decisions in pressure-filled moments. He didn't compromise. So let's jump into this. Here's thinking point number one. Making right choices is made easier when walking in harmony with God. It's not easy, but I believe... Making right choices, making godly choices, making wise choices is easier when we're walking in harmony with God. So again, you just think about the choices that are out in front of you. If you have a big life-altering choice that you're encountering right now, don't run from God. Lean in like never before. Pray more. Read more. Gather godly counsel around you because choices are made easier when we're walking In harmony with God. And I think we see this lived out right here in Genesis chapter 39. So here's what it says. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. And we could just camp on that for a really long time. Because again, here's what we tend to do a lot. Joseph didn't do that inner compass at feet pointed in God's direction, and immediately what we discover is that even in that situation, on the slave block, being purchased by an executioner, guess who's there? The Lord's there. Upper story, lower story, beginning to intersect a little bit. So Joseph succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this. And realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. And the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. And his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except for what kind of food to eat. Typical man, right? So here's what we discover. God is with Joseph and he succeeds. So we can kind of put some of that together. God is with Joseph and Joseph succeeds so much so that Potiphar puts him in charge of everything in his house. He has great trust for Joe because Joe is above average and he has proven that he can handle a lot of responsibility. The only thing Potiphar has to worry about is what he's going to eat. Hey, Joe, what's on the menu for tonight? And Joe probably ran in and said, well, here's the deal because I'm organized and I've got it all together and I'm above average. Here's exactly what's happening. And even Potiphar recognized God is blessing my house. And there's no indication here that Potiphar had any kind of friendship with God. But even he can recognize as an executioner, you know, I'm really benefiting from this guy and because God loves him, I'm really getting some benefits from that. This is a great thing. And so you read this in Genesis 39 and you kind of come to some conclusions that life is going well for Joe. He's got a good job. He's working for an executioner, but he's finding success there. And maybe this is just a happily ever after kind of story. Well, here's what we need to remember. And that is with any kind of success comes more responsibility. And with more responsibility comes more vulnerability. And it's normally in that place that people have a lot of problems if they don't have a choice-making strategy in place. So have you had any success recently? That's a great thing. We're all chasing that. Everybody loves that. And we desire that and we go after it hard. And that's a good thing. If you've had success recently, just know you're probably going to be given more responsibility. With more responsibility always comes more vulnerability. And that's where we have to choose to be above average and not fix crazy with crazy by having a choice-making strategy in place. So it gets a bit dicey here for Joseph because again, success, responsibility, now vulnerability, and he finds himself living over here because he's had a lot of success. So if you've had some ups and downs and then ups again and then some downs in life, if it's been a series of this, then let's look at this because we're about to discover something very interesting in Joseph's life. Here's the second thinking point. Making right choices involves having an intentional strategy. Making right choices involves having an intentional strategy. And the strategy needs to be determined and set before the moment. Because if we wait for the moment of pressure, we will cave. We're too vulnerable. So making right choices involves having an intentional strategy. Here's what we discover about Joseph. We're going to pick up in verse 6 again. Joseph was a very handsome and well built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. The executioner's wife. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. I guess in ancient Egypt, pickup lines were not needed. Just, you know, get right after it. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day... However, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. And when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband, the executioner, came home. And then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Seems that Joseph had a problem with coats. That kept causing some problems for him, and it does here again. And I think here's what we need to know as we read that. This was not just a lucky choice. Like, yeah, Joseph wasn't interested, or she just wasn't really his type of individual, and he just got lucky and made a choice, and he ran, and he got away. No, I think this was a choice that he had already made, before the moment of pressure, as part of his choice-making strategy that helped him really thrive in all of this. So what was his strategy? What did he do? I want to share three very simple thoughts with you, things that Joseph did that I think we can do whenever we're faced with a choice that has to be made. And some of these are difficult choices that this applies to. Some of this might not apply to every situation, but I think you can take some of these three points and you can just begin to lean into these things and use it as your strategy as well. So one of the very first things that Joseph did is he said, I've got to honor God in this process. I have to honor God. I cannot be involved in this because it is a great sin against God. It's not about you, Potiphar's wife, and it's not necessarily about me. This will offend God, this will upset God, this will make God's name be hurt, and the cause of God will not move forward. I can't do this thing because it is a great sin against God. And so I think one of the first things we need to do as we implement a choice-making strategy is put something in place that helps us honor God all of the time. And I don't think we have to be afraid to ask, what does God think of this? What does God want? Will God be honored as I walk through this or not? So one of the things that he did is he had this proper view of God. He honored him. Here's what else he did. He made the choice to avoid sinful situations as much as possible. All right, so he's in this home, and there's somebody who's after him, and he obviously can't just get out, but the text makes it very clear that he arranged his schedule to avoid Mrs. Potiphar as much as possible. And eventually, she does catch him. But one of the principles that falls out of this is we can, in our choice-making strategy, put in place avoiding sinful situations as much as possible. Set your boundaries. That's what this is really about here. Set your boundaries. Know your weaknesses and avoid those things as much as possible. We've all got different things that trip us up, different things that catch us, different things that we fall into that if we just made the choice to avoid that as much as possible, we might have a greater level of success. Maybe that thing for you is an image on a screen and you need to avoid that as much as possible. Maybe it's a drink or a drug or it's pride, or it's power, or what is that thing for you that just trips you up each and every time? Well, if we put a choice-making strategy in place before we're in that moment of pressure, we can kind of remember, hey, I need to avoid this as much as possible, and then do it. The last thing we see Joseph doing is that he physically removes himself from the situation. I mean, he gets up, And he runs. He doesn't linger in the arms of lust. He didn't give himself the opportunity to enjoy something that he knew he shouldn't enjoy. And so he ran. And occasionally, there will be times where we just need to get out. And we need to run. And do everything we can to remove ourselves physically from a situation. I think Pete Wilcox, an author, describes Joseph's very powerful actions here this way. He says, Joseph's response is not to say, hey, what if we get caught? I have too much to lose or no thanks, you're not my type. But how could I offend God in such a way? This is the first time in the story that Joseph has made a confession of faith. His words imply not just certain convictions about God, but a relationship or a friendship with God. It is out of an appropriate intimacy with the Lord that Joseph is able to refuse an inappropriate intimacy with the woman. And really this whole choice-making strategy is about saying, I have to have appropriate intimacy with my creator and with God. And when I have that, other things will fall into place. Well, it's about this time in Joseph's life that you begin to think he's making some great choices here. I mean, he didn't give in, and Mrs. Potiphar, and Joseph's a young man. He had desires and urges as well, and he obeys God. And you kind of get the sense that this isn't going to go well for him because of her husband and the job. And so what we discover in Genesis chapter 39 is that Potiphar indeed comes home, and he realizes that there is drama in the house. And so he finds his wife, and she shares the story. And the text tells us that Potiphar is furious. He's just really upset. And so he throws Joseph in jail, which is kind of interesting to me that Joseph isn't just potter-chopped right on the spot. I mean, it's the executioner. And certainly fooling around with the executioner's wife, that's the accusation here, would certainly demand that would be the requirement. I mean, that's an appropriate punishment for the crime, but that's not what happens. Instead, Joseph is put in jail. There are some scholars who believe that Potiphar really liked Joseph and had a strong belief in his integrity and just sensed something doesn't line up here. Others believe that Potiphar's wife was crazy or odd or off. And he didn't really believe her, but he had to do something as the executioner to save face. And so he throws Joseph in jail. God, what's happening here? I've been obedient to you. Where's God? I don't deserve this. See, we don't know exactly what happened, but what we do know is that Joseph obeyed God. He was obedient to God. His inner compass was set. His feet were pointed in God's direction. He did everything that he was supposed to do. He said no to all of the wrong things and he ends up in jail. It doesn't seem fair. Where's God? I think it helps us to know this, that sometimes making right choices can often be misunderstood by others. And we don't always see the immediate reward. I tell say you, if you've got a choice in front of you, and if you choose to honor God with that choice, and you make a wise choice, people will misunderstand you. They'll think you're old-fashioned. They'll think you're behind the times. They'll think you're living in the dark ages. They'll think that you've lost it, and why do we even care about what people think about us, but yet we do? And if you make a wise, godly choice, you will be misunderstood. And the reward for making that choice might not be immediately felt. But it's always right to do what God wants us to do. And think about this. It's better to be in the prison with God than walking in freedom without him. A hundred percent of the time, better to be in the prison with God than walking in freedom without him. I came across four statements as I was packaging all of this and these statements just meant a lot to me and so I want to share them with you as you think about not being immediately rewarded and how sometimes we sense we do what's right and where's God? We just sense that he's not paying attention. Again, there's that whole upper story, lower story thing and that's just hard to figure out. So I want to share these statements with you. Here it is. You must not be weakened by your situation. You must not be deceived by the persuasion. You must not be gentle with your emotions because your emotions can be wrong. You must not be confused with the immediate results. So you must not be weakened by your situation. You must not be deceived by the persuasion. You must not be gentle with your emotions. You must not be confused with the immediate results. Have a choice-making strategy. And again, that helps us ride above crazy. Honor God above all. Avoid sinful situations as much as possible. And when necessary, run. Get out. And no, not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to understand. But it's better to walk with God in the prison than be walking in freedom without him. Now, here's where it gets really interesting and certainly what makes Joe not your average Joe. Thinking point number three. Making right choices invites God into the story. And this is a great thing. So when we make right choices, it invites God into the story. So we're going to pick up in verse 21 through the end of the chapter. Here's what it says. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Again, better to be in prison with God than walking in freedom without him. So even here, right, with all the confusion, what's happening? The Lord was with Joseph and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries Because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So even though he's punished for making the right choice, guess who's with him? God's there. God's right there. And making right choices. Here's what it does. It invites God into the story. And let me just say, for each and every one of us, like we need that. That's a good thing. And the choices we make today determine the stories that we share tomorrow. And we need to invite God into our stories as we make right choices. So let me share two very simple takeaways with you. Number one, you can't fix crazy with crazy. Or you could say it this way you can't fix stupid with stupid, it just can't be done. It can't be done. You can't fix a broken marriage with an affair. You can't fix debt with more debt. You can't fix an addiction with another type of addiction. You can't fix a mess by creating a bigger mess. It doesn't work. You don't fix crazy with crazy. We've got to bring God into the story and determine and make a decision-making strategy come to life. Secondly, develop a strategy for making wise choices by thinking through scenarios now. So what are the choices in front of you? What are the things that you have that are there? What are the items that trip you up? Write these scenarios down now and implement a wise choice-making strategy. And we do this because we want to live above average, like Joseph I mean, he did it. He pulled it off. He made it possible. And it wasn't just luck. I think he chose what to do before the situation ever got really intense. Inner compass set, feet pointed in God's direction, a wise choice-making strategy. It helps us not fix crazy with crazy. Father, we're thankful for what we've been able to read about today in Genesis chapter 39. And this is just an amazing story. Really about an individual who had every right to become angry and upset that you weren't with him. Because all he really did was obey you and please you and honor you. And it seems like he's consistently getting punished for that. Yet you're still with him and you're still walking with him and you are still helping him. And God, I pray for everybody in this room you would help us to not wait until the moment of pressure to think about what's the grid that we run our choices through. God, help us to think about Joseph and he wanted to honor you above everything. So God, help us to add that to the choice-making strategy. God, help us to avoid things that aren't going to please you as much as possible. And God, when the moment comes, give us the courage to run To not linger in the arms of what can take us down. Help us to run. And even if we don't have an immediate reward, God, we know that you'll meet us there and it's better to be with you there than walking around in freedom and not making the kinds of choices that you want us to make. So God, help us not to fix crazy with crazy, stupid with stupid, Help us to be really wise with the choices that we make this week. God, encourage us now. Help us to stand for you. Help us to honor you using Joe as our example. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.